0: This is 10 Things I Like About, a 10-minute, 10-episode podcast about unknown or misunderstood wildlife. Welcome to 10 Things I Like About. I'm Kirsten, your host, and this is a podcast about misunderstood or unknown creatures in nature. Some we'll find right outside our doors, and some are continents away. But all are fascinating. This podcast will focus 10, 10 10-minute episodes on different animals and their amazing characteristics. Please join me on this extraordinary journey. You won't regret it. This episode continues echidnas. And the third thing I like about this amazing monotreme is what they eat and how they digest it. I know that sounds a little strange, but it's really quite interesting. One of the ways to tell if you have an echidna nearby is the distinctive way they hunt for food. The prey that echidnas are after lives mainly underground, so they poke holes in the soil with their long snouts. These holes are called nose pokes. I just love that. Nose pokes are the width of the echidna's snout and the depth can tell you the species of echidna that's digging around in your backyard. The depth, of course, depends on the length of the echidna's snout. So long-beaked echidnas will produce deeper nose pokes than short-beaked echidnas. Now, once they find what they're looking for, they use their long claws to tear open the invertebrates' nests. So how they find their prey is not well understood yet. Do they use a sense of smell? Do they use vibration detection? Do they use the sense of touch? We're just not entirely sure, but it may be a combination of all three. So what are these echidnas digging around for underground? They're actually classified as myrmecophages. If you can remember way back to our first series about pangolins you know that myrmecophages eat mainly ants. And that is one of the main prey items of the echidna. They specialize in eating termites, ants, scarab beetle larvae, also known as pasture grubs, and moth larvae, also known as grass grubs, as well as earthworms. When they come across beetle larvae during the nose poke stage, scientists have noticed them using a corkscrew-like motion to extract the larva. But they actually prefer the social living invertebrates such as termites and ants because they offer more reward for their effort, which I can totally understand. Of these two insects, termites are higher on the list because they have softer bodies than ants and they tend to live in even larger colonies. When possible, echidnas avoid ants, termites, and other insects that bite, sting, or have other chemical defenses. Sometimes they have no choice but to go after ants. So when they do, they will focus their efforts on the more defenseless areas of the ant colony, such as where the queen is, the larva, and the pupae. The general rule of thumb is to avoid prey that bites back. But after hibernation and before raising young, echidnas may endure some abuse to build up their fat stores. They've also been seen foraging around trees. Here, they'll stick their snouts under loose bark looking for termites and insect larvae. If it is a rotted tree or log, they will use their powerful claws to tear open the trunk exposing insects within. They're not very reliant on water to drink, So they can live in areas without easy access to water. So now that we know what they eat, let's find out how they eat. It all starts with a long, sticky tongue. Yes, many, many good stories start with a long, sticky tongue. The short-beaked echidna can extend its tongue 7 inches or 18 centimeters out of its mouth. They can do that more than 100 times a minute. Phew, that's a lot. Their genus name, tachyglossus, actually means fast tongue. A combination of circular and longitudinal muscles allows the tongue to extend and contract. The tip of the tongue is very flexible. It's actually so flexible it can curve into a U shape. That's probably pretty helpful for scooping up lots of yummy termites. And believe it or not, they do possess taste buds, which are located at the back of the tongue. They must eat small ants and termites limited to only 55 millimeters, because that's the only thing that will fit in their mouths. Their mouth does not open very wide. If you ever hear someone say, and the kidnap bit me, We know that's a tall tale. Now, of course, they mainly focus on prey items that are already that size or smaller, but they can tear apart things that might be a bit bigger, but is something worth consuming. They can hold the item down with their claws and tear it apart with their tongue. Boy, their tongues are definitely adapted to do everything that they need them to do. Like many other animals who have an ant-based diet, Echidnas have no teeth. They do have a hard palate on the roof of their mouth that they use in conjunction with their tongue to grind their food. There are keratin spines at the base of the tongue that swoosh the food up against the hard palate, grinding the insects into paste. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Nothing like a little insect paste to hit the spot. Echidnas' digestion is very slow. Their stomach is a single-chambered organ that is pretty elastic. It can hold a lot of insects, but it has very low levels of acid, so their stomach is not like many other species of animals, including humans, that rely on acid to digest the food they ingest. Echidna's stomachs act more like a cow's rumen, which is a chamber that holds food and digests it with the help of bacteria. Digestion in these monotremes is not well understood, but scientists have determined that plant matter may have a bigger role in echidna digestion than previously thought. So maybe we're just not aware that somehow they're ingesting some sort of plant matter that helps build up that bacteria in their stomach. Echidnas held in captivity, such as zoos and rehabilitation facilities, tend to have quite a few gastric problems. Researchers are now collecting scat, that's poo, from wild echidnas and captive echidnas to determine what a healthy biome looks like for an echidna. Because the more we know about what keeps their stomachs functioning properly in the wild, the better we can make their diets in captivity. And the better their diets are, the more healthy they will be which will be very important for their future survival. Well, thanks for following the digestive tract of the echidna with me, because it's my third favorite thing about them. If you're enjoying this podcast, please recommend me to friends and family and take a moment to give me a rating on whatever platform you're listening. It will help me reach more listeners and give the animals I talk about an even better chance at change. Join me next week for another episode about echidnas. This has been an episode of 10 Things I Like About with Kirsten and Company. Original music written and performed by Katherine Camp. Piano extraordinaire.